Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving a tip of the trowel shortly, though right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. To get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. Brian, I heard you, I think, last, before the Garden Hotline started, that mm-hmm. when you get home today, you're going to be working in your yard. A little bit, yeah. Now, Got I'm, some trimming to do. I'm curious, are you one of those people that wear, like, a wet rag on your head? No. Underneath your hat? No. Only if it's really, really hot. I don't think it's going to so, be that bad when I get home. 96? Is not really, yeah, really hot? Well, we'll see. I was just curious. You know, no, I, I take water. I mean, I drink a lot of water with right. me. I usually don't do that. I have, but I usually don't. So, I, you know, you're such a fashion statement. Yeah, of course. you got to be cool while you're out there with the the weed eater, you know. <laughs> got my exactly. headphones on, bopping to the music, you know. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks. <laughs> And thanks to you for having me on your show. You can give a call. We can talk about plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all the rounds. How are your annuals doing? I'll tell you, this year I've had, since my middle name is Rex, and there is Rex Begonias, I have just always liked begonias. Not just Rex begonias, but all begonias. But I've had some really tough luck with my begonias this year. They've either underperformed or they've had other problems. So... Out of all these years that I've been growing begonias, which is double decades, if not even longer, uh, just really a little bit disappointed. And the sweet potato vines, they, a couple of, you know, they're in all kinds of different colors and leaf shapes and everything else. Some of them got fried. There's no getting around it. And it didn't matter how much watering or anything else I did. So it just goes to show you when the weather is nutty, you don't know what's going to happen. How about your bulbs, your edibles? My cannas are huge. Some of them are getting like almost seven feet high, and they have the dark maroonish, brownish leaves. Ground covers, edibles, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. But uh, guess what? Greg and Zach are both producing, and neither one of them has run away, so... During the week, I do what I call a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation. I come to your home, answer the questions you may have, and keep my eyes open for something else that may be impacting your landscape. You go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, homepage, email address, and phone numbers listed so you can contact me and we can schedule a walk and talk. Now, a special recognition for individual, group, or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial today goes to, if you were listening last hour, I've had a couple hummingbirds in my yard. So I'm giving them the tip of the trial for coming to my yard instead of going to yours if they haven't come to your yard yet. But also, city traffic, I think this is who you know is responsible for this. But at the intersection of Holly Hills and Christie Boulevard, 
traffic from the west side going east is coming off Gravoy. The traffic from the east side going west is coming off Morgan Ford or that intersection. They finally have put some stop signs at Holly Hills and Christie Boulevard. I, I go across that intersection a lot. And some of the cars were just, I mean, insane as far as coming down the hills. And then, you know, just, I mean, just nuts. Some people would be nice enough and stop even though there was not a stop sign because there's pedestrian crosswalk. But whoever was responsible for the city that put up these stop signs, I give you a tip of the trowel because that makes that walk a little bit less traumatic for me and everybody else that cuts through, whether they're on a bicycle, walking, or anything else. So tip of the trowel to the Hummingbirds and also the city traffic department that put up some new stop signs at Holly Hills and Christie Boulevard. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Should we take some calls? All right. Let's go to Michael, and he's in St. Louis. Hi, Michael. Hi, hi, Mike. Um, I have um, a a vegetable garden in my backyard, and uh, out uh, about 10, 15 feet away from it, uh, some sort of grass, a very thin blade grass started coming up. Uh, and it would get rather tall uh, up along the fence row. I mean, a couple, three feet high, but it, it is very invasive. It has these long white runners, and they're just creeping into my garden. I reach, you know, I'm trying to pull them up, and then a, a week later, there's just twice as much of them back there. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, what is it, and how can I get rid of it? Yeah, getting three feet tall, I don't, you know, I'm unsure of what that is. There is, there's something called nimble, N-I-M-B-L-E, nimble weed, <laughs> nimble weed, that you might take a look online and see if that's it. Just take a look at some of the common weeds. You can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden or Botanical Garden website, mo.org, and check there too. But nimble will or nimble will, not nimble weed. Check and look at that thing because it is very, very invasive. But as far as getting three feet high, I'm not, I'm unsure of exactly what that is. Crabgrass will do that, but it's you know just single clumps. Now, the clumps can kind of run together, but they're not really narrow-bladed at all. There's Bermuda grass, yeah, no, but... Is, yeah, yeah ber- no, this is a clumps, and it's it's very narrow blade. Yeah, my guess is it, you know, it might be this Nimberwill, or also it could be Bermuda grass also. So just take a look uh-huh. at those and find out what they are, then head to your favorite garden center and see what they have to take care of those problems. Uh, Roundup? Uh, yeah, so certainly. Or even a grass right killer will kill them. But it's gonna, you're going to have to stay consistent and persistent. Roundup is going to be the best. But, uh, you know, as I always say, stomp on stuff, bruise it, the blades. So huh. when you apply anything, and if you're worried about drifting, then just use a paintbrush. Or somebody even suggested if you've got a big area of it rather than a paintbrush, use a paint roller and roll the Roundup on it after you mix it up in, like, you know, a bucket or something that you can dip the, you know, the paint roller in. To keep uh, to uh, to keep it uh, from uh, getting on my vegetables. Yes, exactly. Right. So preventing okay. any kind of drift at all. Okay. All right. Uh, so um, uh, I'll uh, take a look at that. Thank you so much for your help. Sure. And now let's go to Kirkwood into Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi. How are you today, Mike? Very good. I have a uh, bed in front of my house, uh, about five foot deep by twenty foot long, that has at least six large hydrangeas uh, in there, the blue hydrangeas that, that usually bloom once a year in the spring. Right. Um, 
in the last few years, they've done very poorly. Do you need to divide those up? Do you need to break those plants up so that there is uh, more room for roots? No, you don't need to. That shouldn't be a problem. Are you fertilizing them? Fertilizing them, yes. Um, I could be better at that, but I have been fertilizing them almost monthly. Okay, you don't need, you know, just make sure it's a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Right. So as long as you're doing that, and so, and how old are they? Well, they may be 20 years old. Well, they may be sort of at the end of their performance era. So, Uh, I mean, plants do get old, and it's just like your couch or your car or the shirt you're wearing or anything else. It finally gets old, and, you know, it just doesn't, you know, it's not doing what you want it to. So dig them out and and, uh, replace them. Well, I wouldn't, you don't have to necessarily do that. I would go ahead and try fertilizing them one more year, see how the performance is. And if you, if they're, are they still staying blue? Yes. Okay, so you were lucky because a lot of times you have to add aluminum sulfate back to the soil to get them to stay blue. Just not many. And and flowers at the base of the plant rather than at the top and and around the crown. Yeah, that's probably basically, you know, just age as much as anything. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Age in this screwball weather. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Spurge has been nutty this year. That's one of the annual warm season grasses as well as crabgrass, foxtail, goosegrass, and all those things. Just realize that a lot of them are producing seeds right now. So you can get them under control if you want to. But next year, when the forsythia is in bloom, that's when you put the pre-emergent down. That's the best control. Just realize it controls any kind of thing that comes up from seed. So you can't put a pre-emergent down if you're planning on spreading lawn grass seed. Highland, Illinois, that's where Denny lives. Hi, Denny. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, Several years ago, I uh, started using the malarganite for feeding mm-hmm. my yard. Sure. And um, I've actually been very happy with the results. And I was wondering, all I'm using now is malarganite several times a year and a pre-emergent in the spring. Am I, am I missing out on applying some nutrients other than what's in malarganite? Absolutely. I would say get a soil test done and find out if you are missing anything. You know, if you have extravagant levels of something, if you have something that's, you know, so in other words, just find out what there is there. You're going to find out soil pHs and all that, and then that will give you a better picture if you do have to make some adjustments accordingly. If you're, even if your plants and everything are healthy, your lawn is great and everything else, still get, you know, a soil test done just to find out. It's kind of like just going to a doctor and getting a physical occasionally just to find out. You know, even though you may be feeling healthy, wealthy, wise, or whatever it happens to be, find out what's going on. Okay. That's a great idea. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And I don't know if the University of Illinois still does the soil testing sample thing. If not, there are private services. Let's go now from Highland, Illinois, out to St. Charles into William's Yard. Hi, William. Well, good morning, everyone. Hi, Mike. I hope you're well. Yes. Um, you mentioned earlier about um, augering and feeding trees. Yes. I wanted to treat my old-growth uh, lilacs to some, what were you saying, to put in the holes? 
compost. Basically, you auger holes, you get an earth auger, drill it down about six or eight inches with an electric drill, and then just backfill that hole with compost. And the the augers I found, they're only about 12 or 14 inches long. That's long enough? Yeah, that's fine. You don't need to go any deeper than that. The feeder roots of most plants are within the top 12 inches or so. Okay. So even big trees. I mean, they may go a little bit deeper, but that's, you're feeding the soil in essence. Again, you're not necessarily feeding the plant material. Then the soil will in turn feed your plant material. Um, And also I I have a gripe. My cannas aren't that tall. They're only three feet tall. I'll tell you what, the hummingbirds love them. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, some of the varieties don't get as tall as other ones. So that's kind of what we're looking at. These, These are the red ones. Oh, well, All right, well, very much. <laughs> sure, thanks, William. Now, Harley lives in St. Louis. Hi, Harley. Hey, it's a pleasure, I tell you. I've got a long question, too. Um, my backyard was virtually all zoysia. It survived 26 of the 28 years we lived there for my lawn care. But last spring, it started dying, and two-thirds of it died off. And what survived continue to die this spring. My backyard is virtually bare, except for an occasional weed or a sprout from my neighbor's bird tree. What happened to my zoysia grass? It could be a combination of age. It could be a combination, including with that weather. Also, you may have gotten a fungus. You may have had an insect problem. Chinch bugs really have devastated a couple different lawns, zoysia lawns in the region. So it could be any one of those things, you know, or a combination of all of them together. So wow. age, weather, insects, and diseases. Wow. And so as, a, yeah. as anything gets older, you're probably, your lawn is not as resistant or resilient as, you know, it was prior to getting older. So I don't know wow. if you ever dethatched, power rate, core aerated, and all that other stuff, which is always recommended for a lawn circumstance. And without that, sometimes the plant material can go down sooner. So if you had 25 years, I think, you know, but now you got a major problem to take care of. Yeah. I mean, I, I would uh, scalp it every spring, just drop my mower deck to the lowest setting right. and then uh, a rake in a few areas, but I miss the days where we could have burned it. Uh, <laughs> True. But yeah, I plan on this fall renting a, uh, uh, rototiller and then, uh, planting some, I don't know, some kind of grass and then sprinkling in some uh, zoysia seed into that. Well, zoysia uh, seed doesn't work here. Well, they sell it at uh, some of the uh, garden places here. I know they so. do, but I, you know, yeah, I've never known anybody that's had success with it, and so you could try it. Maybe, you well, know. I didn't want to pay $40 for a two-pound bag either. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just put down some... Uh, standard grass and see what happens and maybe i could survive with some plugs and get it started that way right and make sure whatever grass you put down you get a blend don't get yeah. just one straight type as far as seed wise all right sounds good all right uh, thanks for the help sure and now let's go up to creep core joanne how are you great thank you I have uh, cleome and it's lo- tall and leggy and could i cut it back Oh, uh, I don't know if it's going to be able to recover or not. Okay. 
So you could try it, but I would say it's probably not going to have a chance to recover. I mean, this is a time of year when you can cut back annuals. Cleome is one of my favorites because it's just so wild and crazy looking. It blooms all summer. Right, exactly. And But I don't know, you know, cutting it because it only is really a single stalk. And so cutting that, I don't know if it's going to have time or energy or whatever to be able to rebloom. You could try. I don't, do you have more than, I'm assuming you have more than one. Think, okay. And I'll, just, I'll just leave it alone and enjoy it. Yeah. That's probably the best thing you can do. Thank you. Yeah, sure. And Tom is in St. Louis. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey Mike. We've got some areas in the backyard where from some old swing set equipment and playground equipment. There's some depressions in the ground. I want to fill in some dirt, plant some grass seed this fall. Should I kill the grass that's there or just put the dirt on top of it to level it off, or what do you suggest? You cannot just lay dirt on top of existing totally compacted soil like this. It just won't work. So just plan on adding, you know, like a a topsoil compost mix, but you got to churn that areas over either by hand, you know, by hand with a shovel or a spade, spade is by far the best, or a rototiller, and then blend in this other stuff with it. Just don't lay stuff in those depressions or even across the top of it if there is not a depression. you got to make a blend with the new stuff coming in with the existing. Should I kill the grass or just churn it, churn it with the grass? Uh, is, is it like grass grass or is it weed grass? It's weed grass. Oh. I would probably go ahead and, you know, put some Roundup down, let it let that stuff die, then turn it over with a rototiller or a spade, then bring in the topsoil compost mix and blend it all together, and then put the seed down with a seed starter-type fertilizer. And so when's the, when's the seed for the fall? First, second week of September? Yeah, you can do it, you know, pretty much, in, you know, once you get everything going, you're probably okay to do it, just so we're, you know, towards the end of August, you know, and get it down before, let's say, late September. Got it. Great. Thank you. Yep. St. Charles is where Dorothy lives. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. How are you, Mike? Very good. I have this large rose of Sharon bush, and it's full of white flowers and a lot of buds. But I've noticed it just started looking bare in the middle. I mean, the stems didn't have, the leaves were just didn't look right and i went and looked at it further and turned the leaves over or looked at the leaves and they're just full of little holes and i turned them over and tried to see what i could find on if i could see any kind of a bug or anything i didn't on the leaf but then when i pulled my hand away there was it looked like two little bitty black bugs i mean almost smaller than ants so i took them to be bugs now, can I, is there something I can spray on this bush? <clears throat> because the leaves are just like they're being eaten up. Yeah, probably the, that damage probably happened earlier in the year, and the insects that did it are probably gone. That's not to say that you don't have insects on it, but generally, you know, something that small, they don't really eat holes. So okay. probably just overall, the weather has just done a really heartache for Rosa Sharon's just in general. So it's probably just a little bit unhealthy. So make sure, you know, go ahead and prune it back. As I told somebody in the first hour, cut it, you know, I don't know how tall it is or anything else, but I would cut it halfway back when it finishes flowering, 
to give it a little bit vibrance, a little bit more vibrancy. And then next year when the foliage starts coming out, you know, if you can mix in some compost in the ground around the base of it or, and or put some fertilizer down too to make it a little bit healthier. So there's nothing I can do with the leaves now? Just- Basically not. I mean, if you wanted to, if most insecticides are contact killers. So in other words, you'd have to get the insecticide, whether you use insecticidal soap or neem or whatever it happens to be, and spray it directly on the insect. If you don't do that, you're just kind of wasting your time and or energy. So wait until it's finished blooming and then cut it back. Yeah, cut it back at that time, right. That way you get the holes, you know, let's say summertime, early fall, whatever, of the flowers. And then by cutting it back, it blooms on new wood. So in other words, growth of next year. And it'll be a little bit stockier, and maybe that'll help the overall health and performance. So this would be like around September or October, I'd cut it back? Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. Certainly. Mike Mil- You do okay. the very same thing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Bart lives in South St. Louis. Hi, Bart. Yes, Mike, thanks for taking the call. Maybe it's always been a latent interest with me, but relatives of mine were involved in horticulture designing the gardens and park up around Alton. Really? And since you uh, were involved with the botanical gardens here in St. Louis, I'm wondering when you compare the European versus the Japanese as far as their skills and ability in pruning. And this may be a little bit humorous, pinching the terminal buds. I understand that you got fruiting buds, you got branching buds, and you cut the limbs or the branch or the sprag according to the direction in which the bud is growing. You know, so many people, I think, they just go ahead and get in and really murder the doggone plant. (laughs) I agree. But, but, But so could you give a little bit of primer with respect to how you would suggest a person getting deeply involved with especially with fruiting trees and your stone fruit trees and all that, uh, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, basically, I think, you know, selective pruning is the way to go. Also, make sure that you buy when you're buying your plant or if you have an existing plant that you know what it is and you watch it very closely because some of the, you know, some of the fruiting trees have some disease problems. And that can affect the performance by having some foliar diseases. So that would be my concern. And like I said, selective pruning. If you have too much fruit on a branch, sometimes it can get too heavy and actually cause a crack. And that could cause some heartwood rot. So those are problematic in the same, you know, same gesture. Now, relating as European versus Japanese style, the Japanese gardens are generally much smaller for the most part. So consequently, their pruning styles are very, very different. The plant materials they use are very, very different than the European style. So it's just a completely, you know, completely different circumstance. So thanks, Bart. Greatly appreciate it. Now let's go to uh, Tom in St. Louis County. Hi, Tom. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, I got a question about uh, spider mites. Uh, I was told that I had spider mites on uh, one of my bushes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, 
uh, first of all, how do I prove it to myself that I got spider mites? Well, there should be really small, let's say, probably an inch by an inch spider webby looking things. Also, where you think you might have spider mites, you take a white piece of paper out there, and where you see this webbing, you shake that branch on a white piece of paper, and then if you have spider mites, some of them will drop off on the white piece of paper, and you're going to see them. So that's a good way to go about it. Now, if somebody just said you had spider mites and you don't see any small webs, now I'm not talking about webs. You know, there's a lot of real spiders out there doing webbing right now, but these are really small. They're usually between one stem and a couple leaves. That's where they're going to be as far as spider mites go. Yeah, well, this this is uh, like a arborvitae bush, you know, doesn't really, it's more, uh, you know, like uh, stems on it rather than uh, leaves. Uh, rather than the needles? So you're saying where the yeah, stem's like coming out of the trunk? Yeah, well, out of the trunk and the, and the things. They're more needly than they are. Than they are. Yeah, that's not generally spider mites are going to be where there's some greenery because that's what they go after. So they don't do anything to wood. Okay. Now, uh, I got a, a, what kind of I use to get rid of them? Basically, my, uh, it has to be a miticide. Miticide? Right. Okay. Uh and how many times do you have to spray that? Uh, probably I would do it once, then wait a couple weeks, then go back and look at the areas that you sprayed. Again, these are contact killers, so if you don't spray it right where the spider mites are, you're just kind of wasting your time. So just don't spray it over the whole tree. Oh, you got to be selective where you spray it? Right, if you want effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now, would, uh, like... The one that I was told I had it, it's at the edge of the, you know, the street edge. And, of course, you go back uh, 35 feet, and then there's rose bushes. Would they be there, too? Yeah, there certainly could be spider mites on roses. So just look in between the stem and where the leaves are attached to that stem. That's where the spider mite webbing is going to be. Okay, and, and it's small webbings. Very small, Yes. Okay. All right. Thanks, Tom. And now let's go to Pat and Florissant. Yes. Let's go to Pat and Florissant. Hello, Pat. Hi, Scott. (laughs) Hi, Scott. This is not Scott. This is not the Home Improvement Show. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I can make up an answer if you got a question about Home Improvement. No, yeah, no, just put no, some no. plaster on well, it. I know your name is Mike Miller, <laughs> the Garden Hotline. Sorry about that. That's okay. Brain, I got brain cramps today. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get rid of ants in the kitchen on the countertop? I would say get a professional service to come in and do some oh, applications. Why? I mean, you could try you know, spraying, but you don't know where they're coming from. So you got to oh, find out where they're coming from. If you don't know where they're coming from, you're just kind of wasting your time. I can't tell where they're coming from except, you know, I clean the counter completely off and there's nothing on there. And then all of a sudden I see tiny little black ants. Right. That's why I'm saying get a professional service because they're going to crawl underneath your cabinets, underneath your sink, find out where they're, how they're coming into your house. Yeah. 
I know talcum powder kills them, but that's kind of messy on the countertop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you know talcum powder kills them? Uh, there's probably a lot of things that kill them. But, you know, yeah. get somebody out there to really look and find out where the source of the problem is. That way you can eradicate it completely rather than just killing the few that you see to put that you put talcum powder on. All right. Thanks. Yep. And now let's go to Ronald in St. Louis County. Hi, Ronald. All right. Thanks. Yep. And now let's go to Ronald in St. Louis County. Hi, Ronald. Hey, Ronald. Are you there? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, good. You should I turn down a, your radio though. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me now, Will? Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh I have a uh emerald imp, uh a imp green shrub, mm-hmm. alpha viral, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, Alphabetti, and it's in a 12-inch pot, and uh, I want to transfer it out of the pot and put it in a decorative pot um, that's also 12 inches. I was told that it might hold up in the summer, but in the winter, uh, it wouldn't wouldn't do well. It might die, you know. the diameter of the pot is is the same size as the pot that I bought it in, right. which is a plastic black pot, you know. Would I need to change pots, you know what I'm saying, to a larger pot? With a bigger well, that diameter? would be ideal. What I would do, I would leave it in the pot it's in, the black plastic nursery pot. Get a yep. pot that's about an inch bigger than that and just set the black plastic nursery pot down in there. Oh, you would? Yes, oh. that's that would be the easiest way. And then fill, you know, the extra space around the black plastic pot and the inside of your existing, the new pot, the decorative one, just put some mulch around it to add some a little bit of insulation. And make sure you, through the wintertime you keep it well watered. I see. I, won't, I don't need to bring it in the garage or nothing like no, that. No, right? no, no, no. Don't bring it in the garage. It'll kill it for sure. Oh, oh. All right, then. Oh. Okay, uh, does that plant need full sun? Because I'm in partial sun. It can probably do pretty well in a partial sun, partial shade circumstance. Yes, that's that's my question. Okay, great. All right, then. Thank you for again. Sure. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we get about 10 minutes of the Garden Hotline. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, the Rick Edelman Show. 3 o'clock, the Business of Family Business. And then at 4 o'clock, Health Matters with Fred Bottomore. So that's presented by SSM Health. So back to the phones we go, though. David lives in Lake St. Louis. Hi, David. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, We have hardy hibiscus. It's a beautiful plant, and we were introducing some more hardy hibiscus into the garden. We came down with an aphid problem, and we've used neem oil. We've used soapy water uh, with a little alcohol, malathion. Finally, the bush, the main bush was so big, uh, we couldn't control it. We cut it down for the season. 
But looking ahead to next year, are there preventative measures we can take to prevent an infestation? Well, um, first of all, I would say, are you spraying on the underside of the leaf? Yes. Okay, so and you're spraying on the, the underside. Oil. And you're still, you're still having aphid problems. Correct. Okay. So, I mean, there are systemics. But uh, I would say, you know, next year, you know, I wouldn't worry about it and necessarily until you start finding that there is an aphid problem. So you can use it. Beneficial to introduce uh, ladybugs? Uh, to make them hang around, you could try it. Also, I mean, if you get lightning bugs, which I know you can't, but the larvae of the lightning bug is called an aphid lion. And that eats a lot of them too. But yeah, you could try the you know the ladybug, but it's going to be the larvae that does all the eating. The adult will eat some of the aphids, but it would be worth a try. But just realize once you sort of put a predatory insect in there, then you can't apply any insecticides. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. So yeah, it's a it's a tough one. And the aphids, I mean, they're not horrible as far as they're damaged, but they make everything sticky and icky and whatever. So Jeff lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So we have um, some green ash trees that are going to be taken down uh, here in the next couple of years. And just considering uh, some new street lining trees, what would you recommend? Uh, how wide is the space in between the street, and do you have sidewalks? No sidewalk. And... We're actually looking to put in two trees in about a 50-foot um, distance. So are you wanting to be shade trees, or you just want to kind of have greenery? Um, preferably just something, you know, large um, uh, and still, you know, where the yard can still grow. Right. Uh, my tendency would be not to go, you know, getting something large means, I don't know how old you are, but you're going to have to invest like 20-plus years before it's going to be large. So anything. Personally, I happen to like the maples, but there's plenty of people that, you know, plant other things as well. The city of St. Louis actually put in some bald cypress for street trees along Holly Hills, which I think is nuts. But anyway, um, I just like the maples because of the good fall color. You know, red maple would be one of my choices. Okay. Um, and then two that we had on our list. American elm or a hackberry? Is there one that you prefer over the other? The hackberry I would stay away from because they got all kinds of foliage problems and things like that. They'll get these things that look like pimples on the foliage, and there's hackberry, you know. So I would stay away from that. The elm is fine. It, another option instead of the elm because of Dutch elm disease, look at the zelkova, Z-E-L-K-O-V-A. It's a relative of the elm, but it doesn't get the Dutch elm, uh, you know, the Dutch elm disease or the you know, emerald ash borer or whatever else that might be out there. Okay. Thank so, you. Yeah, Zelkova's a good one. So let's go from Chesterfield to Ray's Yard in Crestwood. Hi, Ray. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Very good. Fantastic. Good, good, good. have a question about potash. Uh, what are the pros and cons about putting potash on a lawn in the summer months? Basically, unless your yard needs it, your lawn needs it, don't do it. Because potash, potassium, and phosphorus are two of the things that soil tests indicate that that is a very extravagant you know, you know, situation if your yard has that. And it can dehydrate root systems and cause major problems. 
So just routinely doing something like that, I would not do unless you get a soil test doing done and says you need more potassium in your yard. Then it will tell you how much that you need to put per thousand square feet. But just to spread it, I would not do it. You think that would be a cause of me having a zoysia lawn with a uh, substantial amount of brownouts and dying of grass? Well, it could be. But I'm not saying it is. Zoysia's, you know, had a really rough time these last couple of years. Even though it's a warm season grass and should be doing great during the hotter weather, it's had some tough times. Okay. Main reason I called about that is because I have a lawn service, and they put uh, potash on three time, three uh, consecutive treatments in a row. Yikes. Yeah. And without having a soil test done. I mean, was, a lawn service should get a soil test done before they start applying anything. Whether they charge you for it or not, it doesn't matter. Just to routinely do stuff does not make sense. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Okay. Uh, what is your uh, personal phone number to contact you? Uh, just go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and then my phone number will be there. Okay, great. Okay, thanks for the information. Appreciate it. Mike. Sure. Yeah, I don't want to give my phone number out on air because I don't think I can do that. Ron lives in Webster Groves. Hi, Ron. Hi. I have uh, three points. One, the lady with the ant problem, there's little packets that you can buy that the ants eat. They carry the food back to the nest, they feed the queen, and the nest is gone. Right. That can certainly happen. The second thing is that a couple of years ago I called about my hostas all dying out, and they just nothing came back. Well, I dug it all up, and I planted a couple other things, but I got little bitty hosta plants coming up in there now that have actually bloomed, so I know they're hostas. Great. So do hostas seed out at times? Usually not. Usually they don't, you know, their seeds are kind of, let's say, I don't want to say, they're dysfunctional as far as the seeds go, but that could certainly be the case, or there could have been a little bit of the root left, when you dug them out, and that little bit of root could finally mature enough to be able to put some foliage growth out. And the third thing is, how can you make a bulb bigger? How do you grow bulbs to make them bigger? Uh, I've got some uh, voodoo lilies, and I cannot get the bulbs big enough to get the plants to flower. Yeah, probably voodoo lilies are probably not the best variety to try to grow here. But just, you know, as soon as the foliage starts coming up with any type of bulb, whether it's a daffodil or any kind of Asiatic lily or anything else, the foliage starts coming up, start fertilizing and fertilize. And hopefully if you've, they're planted in good soil, fertilize. And then when it's halfway up, the fertilize again, so about every three weeks. And then when it's in full flower, fertilize once when it's in full flower. And then when the foliage starts going, let's say, downhill, fertilize one last time. Uh, the 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 plants don't bloom because they you got to get size to the bulb right and so, I've had them for years and years so and if they haven't grown to be big enough that means they're not going to be successful here well I bring them in in the winter time because they're not an outdoor plant right exactly so they and, just don't yeah I mean they're not going to do well Ron we got to go I'm sorry to have to cut you off but yeah the, I mean it's just your potting mix, fertilizing, and all that other stuff, whether it's in the ground, you know, maybe sticking your pots down in the ground might help you. But uh, we can't really, uh, they just don't, they don't do all that well. It just seems, even as a houseplant, I just don't see any that have been all that successful. So 
Mike Miller, guess what? It's almost time to go. I better get out of here. Mike Miller, I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.